welcome back to Fully Equipped. Jonathan Wall and Ryan Barath. It's just the two of us this week, RB. Gene is across the pond in Scotland. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Hanging out, doing... So the RNA does uh, testing with his robot. So they have him over like once a year and he just, you know, makes sure things are kosher. Gets a little time, FaceTime with the RNA. It's a little bit of golf in there too. Probably a little bit of golf. Yeah. So Gene is in Scotland. Chris has COVID, which is unfortunate because you and I are sitting here in the studio in Scottsdale. We're not far from wherever he's probably hanging out. I know. So Chris, if you're listening, hope you feel better soon, bud. But you and I are here for a reason. We had a chance to go to Ping headquarters. Yes, we did. It was fun. What'd you think? It was fun. If you were listening to this right now, we got big smiles on our faces. If yeah. you're watching the video, you can obviously see that. I'm drinking a beer because I did hit a ton of golf balls today, <laughs> which is never a bad thing. I'm not going to complain about it because nobody's going to feel bad for me. No, no, you're not. And we we had uh, one of our other writers, Nick, was with us today. Yeah. And uh, we, we were driving over here to get him. I'm like, and he just said to me, he's like, I'm gassed. And I'm like, a fitting like that, an in-depth fitting, mm-hmm. it's like playing, in most cases, three rounds of golf. Yep. Like you're taking a lot of swings. Yeah. It it's cool to watch because you and you and I have been doing this for so long. Like we've been in both been in the gear industry for over a decade. Yeah. We've gone through tons of fittings. For us, it's old hat. Like every year it's it's like our bodies kind of get ready for for the testing and, and going through and testing the new stuff versus the previous version versus our current gear. We wanna we wanna get into the nitty gritty and see what's going on, where, where the benefits, maybe it's not as great as it's being made out to be, but that's what we do. But Nick is just a mid handicapper with a, with a very mixed bag. And it's cool to see Shockingly mixed. Yeah. Shockingly mixed. (laughs) He only had a pitching wedge. That's the only wedge he has in the bag. He used it for literally every yardage from a hundred yards an inch. I think, and this is where, and we're going to talk about this. So listen, you're listening right now. We have a live zoom. Who actually like gave us a live zoom? I feel I like it's a little, yeah. it's a scary thing for us <laughs> to be going live. Uh, but we are doing a live zoom. You can find it on the fully equipped social media on our, uh, on Instagram. Know, at we fully we tweeted golf. it out as well. I believe we tweeted out the link, but yeah, you can find yeah. it at fully equipped golf on, on Instagram and you can register there. And so we're going to be diving into more of our club test this year. It we're, we've changed it up. We are, we've completely kind of changed the protocol of what we've created for this. Nick was our guinea pig. He was the first one to go through this. Yep. And we always, I want to say that like, I got a lot of golf equipment kicking around and I got a bag full of new golf clubs and people think like, oh, you work in golf. You must play golf all the time. Well, first of all, that's not true, but I do have a lot of golf clubs kicking around, but you know, I've got like a gamer set. I know you as well, yep, John, John, you've got like a, you've got a gamer set as well that you play but you're always kind of testing stuff, right? But for a lot of our people on staff, they are not part, they don't do equipment, right? Like they are just like, they're like a lot of golfers. They have a mixed bag of clubs. So we'll get into more of that tomorrow. But like, yeah, for sure. I think like the genesis of like what we're trying to do, I feel like was important because that's what this, like a fully equipped live, but it is, we're, we're calling it the club test preview. And we'll, I think we'll, save some of our insights from from the ping trip and what we saw and and things that we tested just just to kind of tease that but then also i think it's important to talk about what's going to be different with this club test we'll do that on on the live zoom instead of trying to double up so check it out if you are if you're listening to this and it's the you know day of 
Today, um, what's so today's Tuesday? So when? No, today's Wednesday. Today's Wednesday. 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 So Thursday yeah. is our, our live. So if you're listening to this on Thursday, it is today. Uh, 4 p.m. Eastern. Yeah. So 1, 1 p.m. Uh, West Coast time. And so uh, we will be talking about that. So stay tuned for that. Um, but we did have a, we had a good day at Ping today. Yeah, we had a great day. We had a chance to, to go through the Gold Putter Vault, which is always, it's one of the coolest experiences. I mean, you, you and I, I, every time I come to Ping, I always make it a point to go to the vault and get a chance to see all the Gold Putters. I mean, it's just this giant vault door. And you open it up, and it's like all this gold. It's shiny, just like shiny. It just it's shines super, in your you face. Almost, you really do need a pair of sunglasses, yeah, to to actually be able to see all that gold in person. Because they've got the lights in there; it's well lit. Um, you'll see in some of the videos stuff we have coming out uh, in a little while, but it is truly shiny. Like it is polished yeah. gold on all of these putters. A lot of history and. It's interesting, you know, I, every time I go in there and I'm looking at putters, I mean, everybody wants to know where the, the tiger putters are, the ones, the, the answer putters that he used. US, was it USAM? USAM, yeah. yep. And there's, I mean, I took a picture and posted it on social. I, I don't know how many times I've posted that photo, but it's just, <laughs> it's it's kind of like, you're, hey, you're at ping, just going to yeah. post the photo of the two tiger putters. But every time I'm in there, I'm always reminded, and I don't know why this happens, but I'm like, so many people look at, you know, answer style putters that are on the market and they think that they belong to other, other names, that they were the ones that created it. And it's like, no, this, the, the answer style, like the most important putter design in the history of, of putters, but I would say also one of the most important designs in the history of, of golf equipment. It's, it's a ping design. It, it yeah. started there and, and you brought up an interesting point too, which is, like Ping owns this massive block in in Phoenix, which is you know some of it is current buildings, some of it's older buildings where where Ping started. But I mean that this is a company that I mean it started out of out of you know Carson's garage. Yeah, but it's like that's all they, they didn't just go up and buy that. Like that those were buildings that they built specifically for Ping as it continued to grow. It's cool. There's all the history there. It is you. You can't and and look. We've been we've been we've been treated to go see a lot of like OEMs, and it's 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 really cool to be able to go to Carlsbad and see TaylorMade and Callaway and Cobra and like see all of these companies that are there. And Titleist, but, Titleist, yeah, sorry, Titleist as well, and like see the production facility and see all these things, right? And a lot of it's been there for a long period of time, but Ping is first of all like still a family-owned company. They're independent. They don't have shareholders. They are they are a family company. And the family's history is on this block in Phoenix. And I think that is like one of the things that is like truly unappreciated many times about like what they offer the golf industry from the answer design to the I2 to like, like basically perimeter weighted irons. And look, we were there today. Like I would have said this. I'm not drinking Kool Aid here. Like it's like you can't buy the his like the history that they have is. Yeah, it's in a little bit of recency bias just because we were we were there. There, yeah, know? yeah. And I I think that that's one of the and I think Titleist has this when you go to see their ball plant and how long it's been there for and the buildings that it's in, which is really cool up in up in Massachusetts. Yep. But a lot of these other places like they like it is literally like a city block. And it started with one building, and as they were able to expand 
And Pete told us, so Pete Samuels, who's part of their like communications team. He's, he's, he's their communications director. He's yeah. the guy for comms. He's the guy, yeah. And he was telling us a story, like even like last year, there was like one more thing that they, like one more piece of the other corner property on this block because they were driving forklifts back and forth across an open street. So they petitioned the city. Like now that we own both sides of this block, it's a one-way street that we've also decided to like, like pay the city for or whatever it happens to be. Like we are gating it off for safety reasons because we're driving forklifts across this, what was a public street, which they've taken in as part of their, their campus, which they call it because like they, it's, it's theirs. And that, that again, that's one of the cool things. Like you can't, you don't get that history and it's because of the family history. I think that's the really cool thing. Like people come and go within golf companies there's a Solheim at the at the the helm of Ping, which I think is really neat. Yeah, it does feel a lot like, and I haven't been on a lot of movie lots, but it does have a movie lot feel because, yeah. like, once you're on once you're on campus at Ping, you can just I mean, we hopped on a golf cart and went over to to see the production facility. Yep, which is sparkly and clean, so super clean. clean. You it. could you could just literally eat off the floor in that production facility. It was cool to see, but yeah, it feels like a it was like a, a studio lot. Yeah. Just because you you really like once you're there, you can just walk all around. You don't have to worry about, you know, getting in your car or going anywhere. Yeah. It's cool. It was really a lot of fun. And we got to hit today. Well, yeah, the most important thing, we got a chance to to hit gear. New I two thirty. What was the most impressive thing for you about it? Because I, I watched your whole fitting and like, well, again, we don't have to get into like the whole idea of like what the fitting was, but if you just talk about the product as it as on as it lives on its own. Like what to you was like the one thing that stood out about it? Yeah, so I've I, I grew up with ping gear, and you know, even though I'm a gear guy, I mean, we all have biases, and it's it's not necessarily saying like, oh, I grew up playing ping gear, so ping's better than other manufacturers. But I have a tendency when new gear comes out that sort of fits into my game from ping, I'm always a little bit more interested to see how it performs. And I played I-210 for a while. And I-210 was one of those interesting irons, just to kind of give a little bit of background. You know, the I-Series as a whole has always been Ping's better player irons. And I still remember when I-210 came out. And here's the crazy thing. I-210 came out four years ago. Yeah. Which, you know, not to like go off on a tangent here, but I actually like the fact that Ping lets their irons breathe. And, you know, I, I get it, you know, you have production cycles and people clamoring for new gear and you want to make sure that you're bringing out new stuff. But I like that they just give some of these irons an opportunity to just like simmer, give people an opportunity to test them. Maybe they don't want to switch just quite yet, but at least they know with, with a lot of these ping irons, especially the, the I-series products, that if you don't get it within the first year, it's not like the next year they're going to have something new. And, you know, you're going to be going, oh man, I missed, I missed the boat on trying yeah. this. And now I've got to make the decision between, do I try like the newer version or the one that was just out for the last, like, you know, year and a half or so. So I, I really like that, but I-210 was a great iron because it, it really towed the line for me from being a better player club and also fitting mid handicappers. The, the blade lengths were longer on the long irons, but as you got into the mid and short, they were very compact. And I, I was like, oh man, these these look really good. The, the blade length was maybe a touch long on the I-210s for me. But you watch all these big name tour pros 
switched to I-210. I mean, you had Lee Westwood, you had Terrell Hatton, you had Hovland, Victor Hovland, Hovland yeah. who's still using I-210. And so you could tell like, oh man, I mean, they have an opportunity. The blueprint was in there. You had iBlade, but they really liked I-210 for a lot of reasons because it still has a little bit of forgiveness, but it's still workable. It was one of those irons where you knew like, like tour pros weren't just using it because they felt obligated. Like they had other options, but they chose to play I-210. I always get the questions on like social media. It's like, I'm at this point, like I want to use like a forged cavity backer. I want to move into a blade because of like my skill set at this point. Right. And I always tell people like, you know, some of the best players in the world, like, yes, there's a lot of guys that play blades, Yep. but some of the best players in the world are using cavity backs like the I-210 or the you know, the, the T100, or you see stuff from TaylorMade, like not just the MC, but guys are in the, like this, the full, like the bigger golf clubs. Right. And it's like, you know, there's a reason for that. There's a fitting story behind it. There's a, there's a ball flight story behind it. But when you can combine with all those irons in that like category tech with something that offers the looks feel and forgiveness and performance of like some workability, you've got a, this really cool package. Yeah. I think that's what that iron offers. And, and I think as far as the category goes, they are one of the like three or four you should be looking at within that category. Yeah. So the reason why we're talking so much about I-230 is it did officially drop. Embargo is lifted this week, yep. which was perfect timing for us to make the trip here <laughs> and get a little bit of testing with the new irons because you saw them out on tour and they've been out there. So we, we knew that they were coming eventually and they'll be at retail in November. But I, I feel like this version is really gonna, it's still, I, I still think it's gonna fit the mid handicapper, but this one definitely feels more like it's more like positioned in that better player camp. They reduced the, the blade length on the long irons. And I gotta say, it looks so nice. That was the first thing I did was, even though the, you know, I, Pat, my, my fitter at ping who did a great job on the fit, you know, he's like, Hey, warm up with the wedge. But I went straight for the forearm cause I want to put it down and I just want to see like, yeah, is it, is it really smaller because they're saying it is, it is, it, it looks more compact, still has the, you know, a little bit offset, but it's nothing crazy. It just, it just looks cleaner. It looks like a better player long iron. And you know, I would say if, if somebody were, were to go, well, where do you think they got the inspiration for, for the I-230, I think that it's, if I-59 and I-Blade had a baby, I think this is sort of what it would look like. Oh yeah, I was gonna say, it, it's almost like they took the I-Blade and just blew it up and then did but a not, lot of But stuff not too to much. Not, like, no, yeah. not really, no. Yeah, it's it's still like, I mean, the, the mid and the short irons are, are pretty much identical in shape, blade length to, to the I-210. It was just more kind of refining the shaping of those long irons, which I kind of figured. And I was still surprised, like a bunch of tour pros still like the long irons, even though the blade length was was more on the longer side. But the big thing for me that I wanted to see was, you know, the ping is is adding a bit more distance to, to the I-210, but they're doing it in a way which we've seen from other manufacturers, which is to, you know, pack more tech inside the head, but not increase the footprint. And so you've got this, they're calling it, no, again, we don't, if you want, if you want to read, we've got a story on, you know, full rundown on the tech on golf.com. Yeah. But one of the big changes was they put in this activated elastomer piece. It's one eighth the weight of the, of the stainless steel that they used on the head. 
and it's situated in the lower portion. You can't see it, but it's there. And that material is going to help put more perimeter weighting around there. That's where they have, and we're going to, this, this is the cool part that I want to get into, but there's tungsten weights in the heel, in the toe section. We've seen the weight in, in irons, like the eye blade uh, blueprint had, had the tungsten weight in the toe, which I think people see it. And they're like, Oh, that's cool. Even There's, Cobra, Cobra's rad speed. They did that uh, yes. with that iron as well. Yeah. They had it in the toe and they just to tweak the way the iron performs yep. without having to like put weight in the middle of the club. They mm. put it on the perimeter to increase the, the MOI without having to do anything else like funky to it. Yeah. So this one, when I hit it, it feels softer, but you and you and I were talking about this. I always, I always attach softer to slower. I've always been a guy like from a feel standpoint, I like a firmer golf ball for, for putts. I don't like softer. I always like, like clickier to me is okay. But the soft sound is, is nice. Like it feels, it feels like when you, when you hit it well, even some of the mishits were still just, just a really nice muted sound, but it's combined with some actual ball speed. Yeah. I mean, the ball was going and that was nice to see. And it's it was nice to see because I've been in a really weird spot with my irons. I mean, you saw it. I I'm a unicorn, guys. You are you are very unique. I am very unique. And and even my fitter was like, this, this is the, the first time it's like 30 years. He's like, this is a first for me because I have a positive attack angle with my irons. Yeah, you were reading up like on Trackman, you're up to like, I think positive two two and a half up yeah. to three even at some points eh, i think like two did, like did, two, two, two two and a half, half yeah, yeah was um was about where i was at i i mean i like i've jokingly said on the pod before i i am a i am a green keeper's dream you know supers love me because i'm not gonna i'm not gonna divot. take yeah i'm not gonna take divots i'm gonna brush the grass i mean that, i mean you saw like there's grass missing there for my impact location but i'm not getting into the turf and I've always been that way. It's just I I pick it clean, yeah. And that's the kind of the way that I've played. But one of the things that I've really gotten into recently was like my face closure. Like my miss for me is snappy. And you know, one of the great things about I two thirty is with those with the weight out there on the toe, Pat was able to go all right, just start swinging, and let's see what happens, and then. From noticing how I, because I bring the club in pretty severely, but then I'm able to like rotate that. I'm rotating that face a lot through impact. So he's able to then say, all right, well, I initially had you at D1 swing weight. I'm going to need you to D3, but getting you to D3, we're going to get more weight out towards the toe. And I think that's great because, you know, yes, I-230 is a better player iron, but it still has, it's still packed with tech. Yeah. And it allows you to say, hey, let's throw more weight out on the toe in, in that that tungsten weight to help slow the face rotation down. And I can't tell you the last time, and I'm I'm like, I mean, I'm I'm a single digit, but I can't tell you the last time that I was able to just swing an iron and not have to worry about, you know, okay, well, I need to to aim this way to, to avoid the the snappy shot if I miss it. And I could just swing it. It was cool. The I-230, I, you know, I was already asking him, hey, 
how quick can you get me? <laughs> can you get me a set so I can try these at home? But yeah, they they felt good. Spin was up to a manageable range, which is what I was struggling with, like being yeah, you're low like spin, I, like that's yeah, the, like people yeah. think like oh, I need to lower spin, I need to lower spin. Like no, some people need to raise spin. Yes, and that's and that's really important. Like I I'm low spin pretty much throughout the bag now, which is totally different from where I was. Like I used to be a guy where I was spinning it and launching it too high with my irons. And then I went to a setup that was too low launching, too little spin. And it was nice at first because I wasn't used to seeing it in that window. But then when I got into the mid and long irons, I couldn't hold greens. And that's a problem. But it's like, well, at least it's not high where I used to be. And I was trying to justify where I was at, where Pat got me in these I-230s. And it's like balls launching where it should spin rates up. I'm now able to I'm able to hold a green again. Yeah. And again, oh by the way, I'm able to swing at it. So it was cool. It was a, it was a good fitting. I mean, you hit I230 as well. What'd you think? I hit the 7 iron and the 4 iron and I was really impressed. I think the 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 feel on them again, like the sound for like that style of golf club felt awesome. Felt really good when you miss hit it. And that's the thing is like when you get those those golf clubs and every golf club has this and I'm not saying like it felt like it felt off the middle that would be it's not true, but the vib- the amount of vibration dampening that we saw that you saw when you hit, miss hit a shot was a big difference in like oh I, like I still got good feedback but it wasn't mushy and it kind of fit this mix of like exactly what you kind of want from that style of golf club. Hit the four iron nice and high, which I mean height usually isn't a big problem for me, but like to be able to see that window felt really good. And again, from a looks perspective, I think a lot of people are going to be impressed. It isn't is not game improvement. It's got tech. And I think overall it's a it's a really nice looking step forward from the two. And it, this is where the way I would like really quickly describe it would be like. Be like, oh, is it that much better? Or like, oh, you know, like, what about the last one? Was the last one not good? It's like, no, like, you don't know how, you don't know what you need until you have the new thing that shows you what's better, right? Like, it, yeah. it's it's kind of that weird comparison, right? Like, if you have a, uh, like, if you have a, like a suit that you bought or whatever, whatever, like, you know, a lot of different things in this world, you have something that you really like and you have no complaints about it, right? Everything's grand. But as soon as you get something that is an improved version of that, you're like, oh, I didn't, I didn't realize like my shoulder didn't feel that great in this jacket. Now like the fit is better. Or I didn't realize like I needed a wider shoe and now I have a shoe that's wider and it feels better than before. Yeah. Yes, the I-210s felt really good. They were the best feeling ping iron that they had produced from like the, in the I-series. But they're like, okay, well, let's let's you know, let's shrink the long irons a little bit. Let's see what we can do with making soft. Let's make the faces a little thinner, but let's add some different elastomer to change the acoustics. And the next thing you know, it feels better. And you get them side by side. I would say almost every golfer is going to say, yes, I think this one feels better. And that to me is, you know, again, you don't know how much better something can be until you're given that improved product. And I think that comes with a lot of golf equipment, right? And it, it is that improvement that people don't expect to see, but when you do have it, you're like, wow, that that's different. And that's why I like it. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll save. I was gonna say, let's discuss a couple of the like high level insights on G430, but why don't we save those for the Fluke live? Yeah, let's save it. Yep. So again, that's Fluke the teaser. Live folks. Zoom. Yep. <laughs> 4 PM Eastern today. Go check it out. Links on fully equipped at fully equipped golf. 
on Instagram. All right, before we get to the next topic, as always, I want to let you know that Fully Equipped is brought to you by good friends at Fairway Jockey. We talk about custom clubs all the time on the pod, and we're often asked where's the best place to buy custom clubs. For us, the answer is easy because only one place offers the lowest prices on custom-built clubs, and that's fairwayjockey.com. Do your homework. It wouldn't be surprises, and you'll save up to 15%. And when you're talking about a bigger ticket purchase like golf clubs, that can add up to big savings. Build your custom set today at fairwayjockey.com. All right. You know what I love is that you like to you like to check out the USGA confirming list as much as I do. And you found a very interesting golf club on the confirming list. One that is, has got to belong to a certain left-handed golfer. You say lefty, everyone knows what you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, you would have, you'd He's have the to lefty, right? Or the lefty. Yeah. The, yeah. The lefty. I mean, it left lefty. Yeah. So, so what, what it's not you, you? yeah, it's, well, yeah, I'm, I'm not, you're a different lefty. I'm not that good, but what did, what did you find? So I found what Callaway called the two plus and it was the two plus tour was the only branding on this golf club head. And if you compare it to something like the original one from TaylorMade, it looked very similar. If you look at the design characteristics, I love of it, that you pointed this out and you did the side by sides. I had to, I mean, I had to like, I found the other one. I was like, oh, it is actually kind of like quite similar. Like when you, when you looked them and the nice thing was because they had a left-handed model side by side, literally in a mirror, you're yeah. like, huh, it's like the Spider-Man yeah. meme where <laughs> yeah, it's like, I, you, yeah. you, <laughs> yeah. um, and yeah, it, I mean, it's obvious there was some inspiration there. And I think, I don't think it'll, it, it honestly doesn't look like something that's ever going to come to retail because it doesn't have any retail branding. Like the two plus tour on the sole and the Callaway two plus like it's almost just there. It's some bizarre markings, like almost like they needed to just have something for the USGA to be able to identify that yeah. it's, you know, this two plus tour head. Cause it, it was either laser etched. It's probably most likely laser etched or sandblasted. I would say likely laser etched on there mm. where like, that's a quick process to do once you have that like file done. So, I mean, Callie said they wanted to get that, that club out of Taylor, uh, the TaylorMade original one out of Phil's bag for a long period of time. He used it when he was at, at the PGA Championship. I don't know if he had that, that one or the 300, but either way, he had a mini driver from TaylorMade in the bag. And they always said they had this plan to like get it out of his bag. And I mean, this lo certainly looks like the club that's going to do it if, if that's the intention. Um, and that's fine. Like Phil's always had like one or two clubs in his bag that were not clubs that you could find anywhere. There was the Frankenwood. There was that like weird hybrid that he had at the U.S. Open, which is like, to be honest, it kind of looked ugly. It was not a good look. I mean, I mean, I'm sure it performed, and it, but it had a. It's like it's like one of those wedges with the super wide sole. You get in the right player's bag, it's awesome. Does it look great? Are you gonna like go around and say like, oh yeah, I've got like this new like cool club? And eh, maybe like sure, but. I think this is a version of something where, you know, it was obviously very intently designed. And I think for, for Phil, it's probably going to be his next three wood or his little mini driver. Well, I mean, Liv is playing their, their championship team event in Miami this, yeah, Miami, this week yeah. in Miami. So one would imagine that if they're getting it on the USGA conforming list this week, we're going to Phil's probably watch Getty. We're going yeah, to we're gonna, check yeah, the Getty yeah, images yeah, and do a little yeah, snooping. Yeah. Well, I think uh, I think a couple of our colleagues, or at least one of them, happens to be down in Miami for the live event. So maybe we should 
see we'll if check they can, in. Yeah, check in and see if they could maybe poke around Phil's bag and see if it's in fact in there. But yeah, I agree with you. I don't think it's it's coming to retail. I think it's just a one-off, just trying to bump that club. And, you know, TaylorMade has been, I mean, if you want to look at the clubs that he's used, I mean, Callaway gives Phil the ability through his contract to, to play not like every club in the bag, but at least, you know, one club or so wiggle room well, he, for another. But then he always gives – it's Callaway always has the opportunity to then create something to to beat that. And it's not, it's not you know, it's not because – Phil uses TaylorMade because Keith Sabarbro, who is, you know, the, the VP of tour for TaylorMade, and they played golf together at ASU. So yeah. there's, there's a relationship there. So I'm sure that that plays into it a little bit, but yeah, that's always kind of been Phil's and it, it just that so happens that it's been fairway woods. That's like the one club, although he did use SLDR. I was going to say he the used, blacked, he used out the blacked out SLDR before the big Bertha alpha came out, which was the, I think it was eight sixteen that offered like the, the really low spin yeah. head. Um, cause before then it's not, they didn't have low spin drivers, he played a lot of those. He played the Razor Fit. He played a bunch of different clubs. But when the Alpha, I think it was 816 or the original Alpha came out, he immediately switched. Yep. But Cowley said, like, you can't use it yet. Like, it's under embargo. Like, you, you, we are not letting you go out and play with this driver yet. So go ahead and, like, use something else. And we're going to show you that we're going to beat it. And I think yep. this was the case where, like, you know, they're going to come out with something that's a little different. Did you ever hear the rumor about SLDR, the black one that he played? No. That that Phil the the rumor was, and I, I've never been able to corroborate this. I should probably just go ask Phil. I'm sure he'd you know, I'm sure he'd probably give you a wink or a nod or something, maybe. Although I don't know because it's a TaylorMade club, but I'd always heard that he'd like spray painted it in his hotel room. Oh really? Yeah, I knew it was spray painted, but like I didn't. Yeah, know like that. Phil did like the DIY on it because oh, I mean the, the it was really I mean it didn't look it was good. it did not look good. No, it, it was it looked it looked pretty rough. Yeah. But again, to try and conceal it, but I'd also heard that he had didn't like a DIY on it himself. Oh gosh. Which would, would make sense, but that was that that was all. Could you imagine like dextering the, a hotel room just to spray paint a driver? <laughs> get standing over next to like just the like, AC unit yeah, trying. Just, yeah, just trying trying to get it on there. <laughs> to, yeah, it's I just want to believe that story's true. I would imagine I, that would be pretty funny. I'd love to get the confirmation on that. Yeah. Speaking of of Callaway, they had new product come out. Yes, they did. There was there was a lot of chatter, not so much about the product, but about the price tag. Yeah, you know, and again, I I realize we're in like a privileged like situation. And it's not a club that I'm ever really going to play. It's not targeted towards me, but neither is a Birkin bag. Neither is like it's, <laughs> neither is a Birkin bag. <laughs> like like you no, know, neither is like a you know a pair of Christian Louboutin sneakers. Like I guess they make men's and women's shoes. Like it's just. You can you can get by with a lot of other stuff, and you don't you're not forced to buy equipment, and that's something where, you know, when it comes to equi- when it comes to golf equipment, when it comes to any consumer product that exists on the planet, there are different price tiers targeted towards different consumers. You can go get uh, you can go get a normal silver necklace from like another jewelry store, or you can go to Tiffany's and get a jewelry necklace or silver necklace, and guess which one you're going to pay more for, folks. <laughs> It's really simple. The one that had a movie made about it, right? So all of that ties into like when it comes to this new, the new Big Bertha line. So the new, the new Great Big Bertha, which is yeah, which is I know we kind of like mentioned it, but didn't mention it was yeah. is, it is the Great Big Bertha line from Callaway. Is they have put a lot of premium materials into this product, 
And, and it's an ultralight product. And it's so it, ultra, it fits yeah. it fits a certain demo. Yeah. And so you're looking at golfers that are looking for something that is targeted towards it, like that it has a pre the same with like, you know, Honda makes gold plated golf clubs. They sell for like $75,000 for a set of golf clubs. Does it perform necessarily better for certain golfers? Absolutely. It does. Cause it's targeted towards that specific player type. Right. And in this case, they've got driver technology from the driver down to the pitching wedge of this set of golf clubs, titanium faces, titanium faces, where on the irons too, like on, on the, the irons. And it's it's an iron tunks, that is crazy tungsten on the back of the irons too. It's a hundred percent more, hundred fifty percent more tungsten than any iron they've ever produced. And if you're looking at raw materials, this stuff is more expensive. We had the guys at Titleist, Josh Dalgie told us at Titleist when they're talking about the T100 and the other irons, like you know, Titleist are like you when you buy high quality, high density, more pure versions of a mineral like tungsten. Tungsten is a mineral on the periodic table. It's under W for Wolfram because T was already taken and something to do with the guy who um, like discovered it. So there you go. There's your little nugget of science for the day. But all of that goes into the idea of this stuff is expensive. And same with when you talk about pure materials, they're using a different commercial grade version of titanium. Like beta titanium that's used in club faces on drivers is extremely stiff. Like it's, it's designed to be like, it's designed to flex, but it's designed to flex and return back to its shape. When they're using this type of titanium on the body of the iron, they can still bend it and adjust it, which has been a problem with like, if you go back and find like, there was a big berth of titanium iron from like in the nineties and it was huge and it was light and it, it didn't, it kind of was like the original big berth of shape, like that OG big berth of oh, yeah. shape, but it was big, but you couldn't bend them. They'd just snap because well, first of all, casting and all these other elements, but They've been able to forge the titanium face like a driver and put it onto this version of a, a nut, like the same kind of titanium, different type of titanium that allows for bendability. All this metal saves weight and they cram all of that with tungsten in the back of the club head. And, you know, if you think about materials and forging, is it easier to, for, is it easier to press, you know, a loaf of bread into a shape if you're just going to mush it down or is it easier to press a, like a bunch of rocks into a shape? Well, let me tell you, it's easier to mush that bread. You don't have to use as much like force. You don't have to go through as many molds and tooling, right? All of these things take up, they cost money, right? And it's the same way when someone releases a limited edition premium car from any type of manufacturer. Speaking of Lamborghini, right? The material that's used in the sole of the driver and the fairy wood is, is they call it forged type, forged um, composite or carbon fiber. Now, if you look up the term forged, that is like, it's it's stamped. It is like a compressed version, right. which it does, which uses shorter strands to create the, like the, the pattern on it, which gives them intricate material, like intricate shapes that they couldn't get with like standard stranded um, carbon fiber. They use this in the razor fit almost a decade ago. And they're using it again in a different part of the club head to create, and all of these processes, all of these things create extra cost. And because of that, they put it into a premium product designed to fit a golfer that probably has a little bit more disposable income, is willing to pay a premium for the distance gains that they're going to yes. get. And they want that, they want that, they want a little bit of branding in their bag. And that's okay. Like, I'm not gonna see an argue because like did, did all the other direct-to-consumer companies go out of business when Cali launched this product? No. You have options as a consumer to buy yeah, that stuff. thank you. Yep. And I'm not, again, I'm not sitting here defending that you need to go out and buy the, these golf clubs. But what I'm saying is they offer you an option. And there's, all, like, again, 
I can carry around all of my goods in a, you know, a disposable plastic bag from a grocery store, or I can carry around my lunch in a Birkin bag. Yep. And there's, guess what? There's a thousand options in between those two. So when it comes to golf clubs, like you can go buy a used set of 20 year old golf clubs. You can buy something like this or something like a Hanma Berez that is like extremely expensive. Yeah. But there's a lot of options out there. So you know what? You can talk about that, but I'm going to defend a company's like ability to produce a product to push the envelope because that stuff works its way down into other products. It's like, um, I'm getting on a rant here, but it's like the joke from The Devil Wears Prada. There's a movie reference you probably didn't expect tonight. Well, we have talked about Birkin, so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like Meryl Streep's character says about like the color, like what the color Anne Hathaway's characters were. Mm. Yes, I've watched this movie enough, enough times with my wife. But she's like, where did that color come from? Well, that color was actually in a, in a design from a high-end fashion designer two years ago. And it worked its way down to like this style and this style and this style. And then it became at a department store where you bought it. Right. And golf clubs kind of have that in like premium technology works its way down to different things. So then other consumers can purchase it. Yep. And yes, it's a weird way. Yeah. You probably didn't expect a double worth product reference on this podcast tonight, but that is one of those things that like, that's why they do it. That's why these companies push the envelope in one direction of the consumer market to eventually offer it in the other end of the consumer market. And that's why I will defend them to allow to price it however they want to. All we had to do was get you like really worn out from hitting a bunch of, bunch of IP I ate them at golf balls today. And you have a beer in you and all of a sudden stuff. we're getting Birkins and Devil Wears Prada, just all, all kinds of references that I wasn't expecting. I, yeah, exactly. From this podcast. The prices are a little eye-opening. Yes, they are. Seven hundred for the driver, five hundred for the fairway per fairway, not for a set, and a four hundred and fifty dollar iron that is per iron. And I think the hybrids are the same price as well as the irons. So, like, yeah, I mean, again, you don't have to, and that's why, def- like, I'm not, I, I get worked up when people complain. I'm like, look, well, yeah, you, nobody's forcing, nobody's putting, nobody's like. You know, putting these clubs in front of you and saying, give me your credit card. You got to yeah. buy them. Like you said, you got options out there. You don't have to get these. There are plenty of great irons out there in the marketplace that do not cost 450 an iron or 700 for a driver. Look, when Lamborghini launched their new SUV, I loved it. I think it's a great looking car. If you want to sponsor, go ahead. You know what? I'll drive around and like give you free publicity. But like I drive. You're already giving them plenty of yeah. publicity on this I, pod. I drive a CRV from Honda. Guess what? It's a four-door SUV. Doesn't cost one tenth of the price of one of those, but and they both, but they do the same thing. They achieve the same thing. They allow me to achieve the same goal that I'm trying to achieve when I use that yeah. thing. So when it comes to golf clubs, you have all these options, mm. and that's what that's all a company is doing is they're creating options for you. Can I consumer. tell you what I really like the most about this driver? Even though it, it doesn't fit my game, I love the fact that they're bringing back the old school silver crown. Like it's, it's like a slaty or like kind. Yeah, it's not quite green. Is that what they call? It? They call it like sage gray. Yeah, yeah. But it when I when I saw it in person for the first time, I thought, oh man, that's steelhead. Yeah, it, it, it takes you back. You know, I was like, I had a steelhead as a kid in in my bag, and I'm like, that looks like it with the Chevron logo and in that kind of like you said that sage gray. It definitely has a throwback look, but. I think it's perfect for if you're, you know, if you've got disposable income and you're maybe a golfer, you know, maybe in your 60s, maybe you've lost some speed and you're you're looking, you know, light going lighter has always been a great way to gather and gain more speed without having to really do a lot 
other than just lighter club, swing it. But yeah, I think it fits a certain demo and it's not gonna, it's not for the, it's not for the 20 something, you know, scratch golfer, but yet those are the guys that we hear from the most complaining about yeah. the price tag when they see it, everybody scrolls to the bottom of the story to, to see what it costs. I just think when it comes to like this type of product, it, you know, a, a great fitter that I've worked with in the past, he always said like, when it comes to cr- offering a golfer distance, when it comes to offering lighter shafts or lighter components and putting all these things together, you're giving back that golfer age on the golf course. Yep. Like, oh, I hit it, I hit it, I hit my seven iron this far, or I hit my fairywoods. Like a fairywood, a threewood is a threewood. It's 15 degrees aloft. But if you can get 15 extra yards, like I haven't hit that shot in 10 years, you gain back golfing years, right? And I think that is a great way to look at what a, a lightweight product offers in like without time but price or time any of those things like what is you what are you actually gaining when you're using this product is you're gaining that distance so like you can play the tees that you want to play with and you can stay on those tees and if you want to like challenge yourself at a certain level wherever you happen to play whatever your skill level is you're able to do that and i think that's where people get a lot of satisfaction and benefit from trying something like this yeah all right going back to the pga tour did you see what happened to Cameron Young? You wrote about this, Congaree. and I thought I I didn't I missed the story. So was it someone gave him a different? Wasn't it Webb or someone who like? Because yeah. I I I read your gear notes, and I thought, where did you get this scoop? I didn't see yeah. this anywhere. It was so so. Uh, Jeff Babineau, who is who was covering the event, the CJ Cup at at Congaree for the PGA Tour, he was the one who initially happened upon the scoop. So what, what ended up happening was, well, let's just say it was a big week for, for not only Cameron Young, but Webb Simpson. And so on Wednesday, Webb crashes Cameron's press conference to announce that he's been named PGA Tour Rookie of the Year. And then, you know, hands him the trophy. And it's a cool moment because both Cameron and Webb are Wake Forest guys. So they've got they've got the connection there. They both went to the same university, and then on on Friday I, I wrote I kind of wrote this into the story, but I said on on Friday Webb offered Cameron something equally as important, which was a title striver to use for yeah. the last thirty six holes. What you know, and and this was a weird one because you've got one of the biggest hitters on tour, who who regularly gets his driver checked i mean we we all know this the the faces on these drivers are are very thin but you know they've they're trying to stay within the ct limits that are set forth by the usga and you know you, you but you still want a fast driver because the oems check them so they know their players are not getting elite yeah. drivers like that is the interesting thing about but it's it. I'll, I'll point this out so everybody probably thinks that that the tour pros get the like extra spicy drivers and you and I were, were, and I didn't know if you knew this before we went to Titleist a little while back where they were mentioning that the pros actually get slower heads. Cause they test them they, because they, they test all yep. the heads. And so Titleist, for example, they will monitor what they call CT creep. So as the driver is repeatedly hit on the range on the golf course by these tour pros that like this is their job they're using the driver all the time they'll monitor as the ct starts to creep up because 
repeated blows on the face. Like you, maybe you wonder like, why is my, you know, eight or nine year old driver, you know, as fast as some of the other current drivers on the market, it's because your like face from those blows, it's really doing some damage to that titanium face over time. Yeah. And so eventually you're going to start to get a faster face and for the tour pros and for, or for I should say for weekend golfers, that's great because you're not getting your clubs, your driver checked by the USGA on a regular basis, <laughs> but for tour pros, that's a problem. So titles, I mean, Justin Thomas, I remember a few years ago in Memphis, he talked about this, that, you know, the guys on the truck will let him know, Hey, JT, your driver's getting a little too close to that limit. So why don't we just pull this head out and give you a fresh one just so that we don't get in a situation where the USGA shows up and says, Hey, we need to take your driver and test it. And it comes back as non-conforming because that would be a problem. So yeah, so they, so they monitor it, but you know, so Cameron's already in the truck and, you know, getting his, getting his driver, but for whatever reason he noticed on the back nine on Friday, drivers just acting funny, like heel shots are, are going, you know, way offline. And I think he said it was like 60 yards of curve. So, I mean, just the, the, a lot of, like a lot of shots that you weren't like that he wasn't expecting to see from his driver. And, and they hit a, like, the thing is these guys hit a lot of golf balls. So like, yeah. they know when they hit it on a certain spot, of the club face, yep. they're going to look up and see that window every time. For sure. But he checked the face. It's not cracked. Now it may have been, it may have just been like a hairline crack that he, that he couldn't see. I mean, yeah. that's happened before, but there was something obviously wrong with a driver and for whatever reason, I'm actually surprised. So he's he's playing titles TSR three, and the vans are gone at this. Vans point. are gone. Remember yes, that. like by the time good Wednesday point. rolls around, the vans yes. are gone. They're not kicking yep. around with extra gear. Very so. good point. So the vans vans are gone, and they yep they're out on Wednesdays and and off to the next tour event. But you know this one was was a little bit different because the event after was in Bermuda. Yeah, but yeah, the vans leave anyway on Wednesday. It's like they're supposed to be off site, and I guess he didn't have a backup driver because. He ends up uh, borrowing one of Webb Simpson's heads, a nine and a half degree TSI three, so he doesn't stay in the R, and you know has a has a really good finish to the to the week. He actually finished better than Webb <laughs> with Webb's with Webb's backup driver, which you know I you know that's that's a that's a situation where it's like okay he he finished better. I always think about the story of when Marco Mira when Tiger was struggling with his putter at the ninety eight Open Championship. And Mark gives him his backup, his his ping answer backup. And Tiger almost wins and Mark wins that week. And then they get on the plane to go home. And uh Mark says the Tiger, and that's why it's the backup. You know, yeah. but like <laughs> yeah. in this in this yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. in this situation, the backup ended up uh helping Cameron win. But yeah, just just like a weird situation. I mean, it's happened before with uh I think Victor Hovland about a year ago. He like I can't remember who stepped on his driver and broke it, and then James Hahn had a backup. It was for the event in Mexico, and he ends up defending his title with James Hahn's backup driver, which I thought was a cool story. If you go back and watch the Tiger versus uh, Chris DeMarco Masters, yeah, the the final round I think it was the second second hole or third. What do you got, second hole? Um, it was somewhere on the front nine. The driver head came loose, like the epoxy broke down on like, I think it was a G5. So this is, we're going back. Um, and he's walking up and they were able, because it, it, it happened during play, it wasn't an accident. 
um, or it was an accident. It wasn't like he broke or did mm-hmm. something intentional. He like was able to swap the driver in during the round. And like people kind of forget about that. Like Tiger got on to, I believe Tiger, Tiger won that. Yep. But people forget. Yeah. Cause that was the chip in. That's right. That was the year of the chip in. So like, let's, yeah. let me tell you, there's a lot more stuff to talk about than Chris DeMarco swapping drivers on the front nine. But that's what we remember. Yeah. But that's the thing I remember. I was like, I was like, oh my gosh, he like, he's switching drivers in the final round of the Masters. He's in the final group. And, but it was because he had the, these backups that were on site. He was mm-hmm. able to go get one that he already had. But a lot of players don't do that. And in this case, you know, he had to borrow one. Yeah. Kind of, a, kind of one of those obscure stories, you know, usually late in the year, we get a couple of them, but anyway. All right. Well, I think that'll do it for this week's episode, episode 163 of Fully Equipped. That's right. Wow. I can't remember what, I don't know which one I started on though. You've been here for, you've been here for, maybe. yeah, been here for a, for a fair bit now. Yeah. It's good. I like it. I have fun. Hopefully yeah. they'll keep me around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, we will definitely keep you around. Birkin and uh, Devil Wears Prada references and all. Uh, just a, one final reminder for today's Flukup Live Zoom. The uh, registration link is on our Instagram page at Flukup Golf. Go check it out. We're going to answer some questions. And by the way, speaking of drivers, speaking of drivers, speaking of expensive drivers, wh- what do we want to do? Like best question that we get? Do we want to just do a random? I, I'm, I'm just kind of riffing on this now because we'll I was figure it out. We'll, we'll figure, figure it out. out. But we're giving one away. There we're going to give away a Callaway Great Big Bertha driver the 700 dollars driver so come have some fun we're gonna talk club test gear things that are coming up tech that's been interesting us this year be a good time so go check it out 4 p.m eastern as always if you want more gear news you can check us out on social media as i've said probably five or six times our instagram account is at fully equipped golf and our twitter handle is at fully underscore equipped thanks as always for listening see you around <laughs>